Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Welcome to China Jedi Talk, where we interview a broad selection of the human race who spawn from different cities, towns, and villages in and around China and across the world to talk about life, business, love, strife, places, faces, different races, attractions, distractions, goals, and aspirations, creating selections, affections, opportunities, and connections, and as always, shining humor, love, and light on Chinese life. May the smile be with you. Can I just say that my questions just like yours are just begun? Can I just say that your questions just like mine are just begun? Cause it was breaking news. Hello listeners and welcome to China Jedi Talk episode 3 where we meet, chat and get to know various people from around the world all of which of course have some type of China connection whether it be actually being from China living and working in China, doing business with China, or even having visited China as a tourist. As always, um, to my left, I guess, of the studio is my famous co-host. <laughs> Hopefully, one day. <laughs> Anthony Benton, hello guys. Yeah, not Anthony C. Benton. Today. Not today, okay, no, I'm not, not feeling special today. Well, Anthony, look at this. We're going further afield today. Our guest today is actually based now in the Philippines, the sunny, beautiful Philippines. And he is the partner and chief instructor at the Urban Survival Course. He is none other than Francois Williams. Francois, welcome to China Jedi Talk. Hi, China Jedi. How are you guys doing? I'm all the way here in the Philippines. Yeah, we're doing good. Good to meet you, Francois. Yes, very good. It's lovely to have you on. And I think I'm going to hit you with the first question of the, of the show, Francois. Which is, okay. why on earth are you not in China but now in the Philippines? Did something happen or, or, or you were just too into the beach life? Yeah, well, it's a combination of uh, things, you know. Um, actually, it is, you know, the Philippines, if you have ever been here, as you guys probably will know, it's really very uh, laid back, relaxing and, uh, like you said, a beach uh, life scenario, which is very attractive for, and actually a lot of foreigners from, from China now, once they finish whatever they were doing in China are actually moving this side. So it's quite a common uh, occurrence, I would say. And then at the same time in China, you have, you know, it seems to be a general uh, kind of cooling down a little bit, you know. Uh, I'm not so sure how to describe that, but you know, maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah, well, I have to say it's not cooling down very much in temperature <laughs> at the moment in July. But for sure, I do understand that. Yes, very, very interesting. Maybe we can delve more into that as well, the show I'm, goes I'm, along. I'm curious. What? How do you mean? There's there seems to be a lot of people going from China to the Philippines. Did you mention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people that uh, showed up in China, like me, maybe in the nineties, nineteen nineties. I mean, um, mm. then they had some kind of business or a job. Uh, for maybe 10 years or whatever, they saved a bit of money and uh, maybe it's not enough to go back to wherever they, you know, maybe Europe or US or Australia, it's too expensive for them to uh, actually go and retire because they are kind of not really retirement age, but they are probably 40s, 50s mm. and they are, they're just looking to kick back and re enjoy their lives, you know, <laughs> and then uh, Philippines is a very good option. 
Yeah, in, indeed. I mean, we've, we've both been there. It's a, it's a fantastic place. So many different places, of course, to go. Um, Francois, where are you actually originally from, first of all? If you tell our listeners, please. Okay, I was born in the Orange Free State. I don't think that, <laughs> that name will ring a big bell in, uh, for most listeners, but uh, it's in the middle, right in the heartland of South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Right, right in the Hamadullahs, yeah? Yeah, right in the Hamadullahs, uh, you're right. And uh, right on the, you know, the heart of South Africa, the Orange Free State. There's a joke in South <laughs> Africa. Why do Free State boys join the army? And why do they? Uh, because we can wear shoes and have long hair. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my kind of place. Um, okay, lovely. So you're originally from South Africa. And then, so... Give us a clip of what brought you to China. I, I, I'm guessing in the early 90s, correct? What brought you to China? Um, and yeah, give us that story. It's always interesting to know. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's actually exactly 1990, 1990, uh, on my birthday, uh, which is April 17, I arrived in Taiwan, the Republic of China, which is the old Formosa. And it's a combination of factors, you know, both, at that time it was, uh, 1990 was the, uh, the, the age of high apartheid in South Africa, if anybody will ever remember that, which means that there was a lot of turmoil and uh, basically we had a, a, a war, you know, I, you know, I was in the army military and I was actually an intelligence and then, um, you know, there was kind of, this was before Nelson Mandela was released and there was a lot of turmoil and, uh, you know, demand. And uh, I was asked to go undercover in a neighboring country and all that stuff. I was like, no, that's enough. And I wanted, I wanted to see the world anyway. Mm. And it just so happened that I, uh, I stumbled on an old book uh, called Formosa, a very old book, probably 100 years old. And I, I didn't know where this was. I said, where the hell is Formosa? And the travel agent said, that's Taiwan. And I was like, oh, okay, I want to go there. Can I, you're crazy, you know, but that's how I ended up in Taiwan. Uh, okay, I see. And then being in Taiwan, um, of course, you weren't on espionage. You weren't an undercover agent there, were you, Francois? Um, what, what brought you to the, the mainland? I'm sure you were doing business with the China mainland, where, of course, we're based, correct? Yes, well, obviously, the first place in the mainland that I went was Hong Kong, right? Uh, at that time, it was a British colony um, uh, until 1997. The handover, and uh, so that was in uh, Macau. These were the two first um, uh, cities on the mainland that I visited. And then uh, basically, it's uh, you know, I was studying martial arts in uh, Taiwan. I met a Japanese, he was basically something like a uh, you know, I guess I don't want to say too much, but he was like a uh, so called nin ninjutsu mm. ninja, and he kind of uh, told me to go to Shaolin Temple. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, in 1998, I decided, well, it was just a co series of coincidental meetings. So I ended up at Shaolin Temple in 1998. Oh, wow. That must have been an amazing experience, huh? It was, yeah. It was the, the really uh, pioneering. Uh, it was because the temple was basically shut down during the Cultural Revolution and or whatever, you know, and um, there wasn't much going on. And then it started to flower again, you know, but... Like, uh, attracting students and uh, we were only five foreigners at, at 1998 nowadays it's kind of been turned back into um, I would say a kind of a Disney world again yeah it's sad to say, you know yeah how long did you spend there then in in, um, in the temple uh, you know? 
basically, I went there in '98, and then uh, what I what I would do was to stay there during the summer because uh, the winter, you know, it starts snowing, and um, I don't. I'm from Africa. I don't really like cold weather, <laughs> so I leave when it's in the winter. I go to Thailand um, and do Muay Thai and stuff like that, and then in the summer I would go back to Shaolin. I, I think I went like over four years. I spent half the year each year there in Shaolin. So you actually studied Kung Fu in the Shaolin Temple? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's but amazing. not in the Shaolin Temple because what happened at that time, there were the, the so-called monks were leaving the temple and setting up their own Kung Fu camps uh, around the temple, surrounding the temple. And then I was up, in the, up on the mountain, the Songshan Mountains, overlooking the temple. It was really like you see in the movies, really old-fashioned. And we had no water and stuff like that. You had to carry, you know, like you see in the movies, basically. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> you, you could possibly answer uh, an interesting or an intriguing question then for some of our listeners that might be interested in uh, Kung Fu. Sure. As, as a military man then, so you, you've actually trained in the military and obviously in the military, you know, it's not the best aspect of human beings in a way that you, you train to kill people. But, you know, obviously that's part of the military. And Shaolin kind of has this sort of mythical, you know, um, energy about it. So as a, as a military trained person, does Shaolin, that kind of style, does it have a practical approach in like real fighting or is it just a kind of, you know, movie type Kung Fu? Uh, no, you know, I mean... Is it the real thing, you know? Yes, of course. I mean, it's, it's up to your application and your mindset it can be very vicious and very uh, deadly, of course, and it, or it can be just uh, for show. There's a lot of... You see what's happening around Shaolin is because, the, obviously, you know, during the Cultural Revolution and even before that, the Chinese governments uh, over the years, they didn't really like this kind of uh, sport because it was, uh, you know... You know, they're a little bit paranoid about people getting too dangerous, and so uh, it had to be camouflaged, right? And Sure. So it was kind of, uh, you have that aspect of it, and then you have the really, I would say, the real side of it, which is, of course, uh, um, that, that is, the, you can call it, you can break it up, martial and art. Art is the, the show-off, the flowery stuff, you know, the huachin, the, the flower fist, that stuff. And then you have the martial, which is the fighting, killing, or so on. You can break it up quite neatly in these two par into these two parts, I would say. Yeah, interesting yeah, stuff. Sounds fascinating. Um, on that note, then, Francois, let's uh, let's talk a bit more about your profession. So um, you were in China uh, studying kung fu, um, but that was in the nineties. So you're based in Taiwan. What what were you kind of doing business wise then um, for money? I mean, were you doing trading and things like that in parts of mainland China? If you could tell us a bit about that, please. Yeah, it started off in Taiwan. Uh, when I arrived in 1990, I obviously uh, quickly went through my savings. Taiwan is not a cheap place. You know? <laughs> and um, so then, the, of course, everybody was get, getting involved into English teaching, in the English teaching industry, which only kicked off in uh, China in the, in, the, in the 2000s, I would say. Mm. So that was already well established in Taiwan. So I, of course, I partake, I partook. <laughs> Sorry, you see, I'm uh, Afrikaner. My English is not that good. But um, he was fine. I, <laughs> I partook in the English in the teaching industry immediately, and I kind of become a self-taught English teacher. And it, it was a very good uh, way to sustain yourself. Uh, I, I 
I started to specialize in private teaching, uh, tutoring, basically. Later on, in the later 90s, I got involved in uh, TV shows uh, in Taiwan. There was a popular talk show called Sujie Dapotong, and uh, that uh, I also partook in the survival uh, show. And uh, I became quite well established in Taiwan. And then I got kind of tired of Taiwan, though. It was, it's a small island, and it's kind of limited, you know. And uh, like I said, once I went to Shaolin, I became much more interested in uh, China. Mm. And then, of course, I just... Uh, but then when I arrived in China, people were... Uh, you know, in, uh, later on, I went to Shenzhen. And I arrived in Shenzhen, and everybody was asking me. So everybody was working in the oil industry at that time, you know, in Shenzhen, in Shoko. Okay. And then uh, people were very surprised to learn that I was hoping to teach English. They were saying, well, nobody wants to study English. You know, yeah. it sounds crazy right now, but I'm telling you. No, in 1999, yeah. 2000, no, no Chinese were... The only customers I could find was these, uh, let's call them the working girls, the happy smiling ladies. You, 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 know, yeah. you know, remember old Shoko? Had like about 500 bars and a lot, thousands of young girls working in there, and they, their biggest dream was to catch a foreigner, but they couldn't uh, speak English. So my customers were uh, first customers were all of these, uh, let's just call them working girls, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were helping working girls in their mission <laughs> to hard. find a foreigner. <laughs> so Francois, is before when did you leave for the Philippines, where you're now based? Well, again, originally the first visit was in the 1995, I believe, uh, or you know those years, and then I, I had a bit of a, um, a you know a very hard experience in the 90s somewhere. Uh, come, uh, you know, I basically I went, I came for a visa extension from Taiwan, and then uh, I was refused a visa to go back to Taiwan, and I was I didn't bring a lot of money, so I ran out of money. I couldn't I didn't know anybody in the Philippines. So basically I ended up uh, I think it was 16 whole days without any food. <laughs> oh wow. Know, sleeping outside. It was it was not much fun, you know. And um in so the Philippines. Kind of, uh, you know, uh, I I didn't go back to Philippines until I met my current girlfriend. She was uh that was like 10 years ago. And she was also working there in Shenzhen when we met. So that's when I started to slowly come back to Philippines, and around three years ago, we started to build uh, our current uh, in a restaurant inn called Club Safari here in the uh, Philippines. Okay, let, let's talk more about that. First of all, Anthony just wants to ask a question. Did you teach your wife English before you got, went to the Philippines? My girlfriend? Yeah, did, was she one of your students? That's a naughty question, Anthony. Oh, no, no, she was actually... Um, she was one, she was very young when we met. I think she was around twenty, maybe nineteen or twenty. And uh, her mother and her sister were, uh, were both working in Shenzhen as um, child. What do you call it? Au pairs, you yeah. know. And uh, she was basically joining them. And I kind of convinced her to help me. Uh, well, I saw our relationship develop. It was kind of weird because uh, when I met her, I was. Uh, it was the. I think it was around about the time of the before the Beijing Olympics, and there was a big crackdown on security all over Shenzhen. And I always lived like under the radar, you know. I never lived. I never. Uh, so the, I decided to leave. I went back to Shaolin, and uh, I kind of ran out of money. And I just met this girl, this young girl, you know, and uh, this Filipina. And I thought, oh, I'm out of money and out of luck, and I was injured. I, I kind of cracked my leg again or my knee, I don't remember now, and uh, yeah. I couldn't do anything, and I 
gave her a call. I said, hey, I'm out of money. And she said, oh, how much you need? She sent me some money. And I was like, wow, this girl is quite uh, she's a, a keeper. She's a keeper, yeah. <laughs> does, does she have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, yeah, you're... <laughs> she started to teach English and she became very successful. Uh, okay. Despite a lot of discrimination, as you know, it's quite uh, a problem for Filipinas or black people in, in yeah. China. But she became really successful uh, as an English teacher as well. So your yeah, your girlfriend is from the Philippines, or she's Chinese? No, she's from Philippines. Okay, yeah. so uh, but you met her in Shenzhen. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And she and her mother and her sister were all working there. Actually, a lot of Filipinos are working in. Yeah. Uh, in Shenzhen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have met a lot of Filipinos here, actually. And tons in Hong Kong. Um, so, um, Francois, uh, you're set up now in the Philippines. Tell us whereabouts in the Philippines, um, and tell us more about you know your club safari and, and this urban survival course, please. So, where are you in the Philippines? Well, uh, what's happening? Uh, we are in uh, her hometown. is in a, the biggest island in the Philippines. It's called Mindanao, which is the south, southernmost island oh, in the wow. Philippines. Which at the moment, actually, we have martial law here. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> oh wow, really? Why? What's going on there? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Well, there's been this fest, festering uh, problem. Of, you know, ever since the Spanish took over the islands, um, the southern parts, uh, which which basically borders on Indonesia and Malaysia, which are both Muslim countries, they had uh, the, 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 that part of Mindanao Island. Mindanao is a big island. It's about the size of South Korea, by the way. Wow. Um, that part of the island is uh, very Muslim, so they never ever uh, agreed to the Spanish domination until today. And the Americans came in a hundred years ago to try and, but it didn't work out either. So now the current government, which is Mr. Duterte, uh, Mr. Duterte Harry, as, as he's been called, is a very tough dude. And uh, he decided to crack down now on, the, on these Muslims. Because what's happening is, I think they're, you know, they're trying, the Muslims um, on these little islands uh, uh, neighboring to Malaysia, Indonesia, they're kind of trying to infiltrate the main island, which is Mindanao. But we are luckily we're not on that side, you know, of the, where the activities are. We are on the opposite side, so, we, so there is it's very safe here. So oh, and we need a lot of foreign gas. It's not affecting your yeah. Europeans and blah, blah, blah. It's not affecting your business at all. No, yeah. What does martial law actually mean, Francois, on the ground? What do you have to do under well, martial law? Martial law means uh, well for us. It does basically means we have uh, so uh, when you know uh, military roadblocks people checking your vehicle or your ID or passport or right. uh, stuff like that, which is very good because now it's, I, I feel very safe. And uh, mm. so that is uh, really good, actually. And that's it? I mean, you don't have to go to bed at a particular time or anything like this? Uh, nominally, there is a curfew. I think it's 10 or midnight or something. But, you know, we are here in a small town. It's very rural. Okay, people so... do go to bed very early anyway. So there, a little bit of nightlife we have is in the bigger towns. and. Okay. So, I, I see. So, come on then, quickly. Urban survival course, that sounds interesting. And Club Safari, they're not the okay, same thing, uh, are they? My survival course, I started, I, I taught that in China to the Chinese uh, students who go abroad, the so-called the, the uh, highway, the, yeah. the young Chinese who want to go study abroad. You know, I, I found, I, I, I regularly saw in the news that these students, because, you know, the way the Chinese raise their children is not very conducive for independent thinking or... Um, they, they, they don't have really much independence. So I was very surprised that they would just basically take somebody that is, let's say, just finished high school or even in high school, was never, you know, would, would, they would, it would be considered kind of uh, 
a risk for them to cross the road to the 7-Eleven kind of, you know, and then they would pack them off to USA or Canada, Australia, whatever, you know, and, um, and then um, expect them to thrive. And I, uh, uh, if you look at the news, you know, Chinese students getting into trouble, like literally getting murdered, kidnapped, raped, robbed, getting involved in drugs. It's like I, I found so many cases that I was really, ah. I really thought this would be a, a good industry. And so I, through, through my experience of uh, the army, the, the military intelligence, I was also bodyguarding, bodyguard in London, for example, and I was uh, studying with my Japanese master, the, nin, the ninja guy, and then in Shaolin, and so on. I put together my own survival, uh, ur- I call it urban survival, urban survival, black shield elite training, and I taught, start teaching this um, one of these students and about you know safe traveling, anti kidnapping, anti surveillance, police, uh, okay. you know, anti rape, blah blah blah, the whole works, drugging. So is it is it more orientated towards uh, self defense rather than survival or? No, no, the, the big thing is, uh, well, it's, uh, self-defense is a part of it, obviously, uh, but the big thing is survival, right? Because uh, you don't want to be a hero, you just want to make sure you stay alive. Like, uh, literally, there are many, many cases that I found of these, uh, that I found these students getting murdered, because they really are, even the most, like, most common sense, most basic precautions, they have no, they would, like a girl would, for example, she would sit in a restaurant, you know, and then uh, she, met, she met two guys at midnight, Two minutes later, she she never met them before, but she got in their vehicle and she would she went to their house and then they murdered her right in their own house. Things like that, you yeah. know, very simple. So so, so you even things. break it down to giving advice on just simple, you know, decisions uh, no, 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 to make in situations. Sorry, so, say again. Yeah, the the course is very intensive. I designed it. Uh, you know, it it's, it starts with awareness. Uh, you, you know, general awareness, your sixth sense, uh, are you being followed? Because there's the whole attack cycle involved, right? Somebody sure. will choose you as a target, start following you, all that stuff. Then if you are cornered, if you can't escape, how to fight your way out, how to defend yourself against, uh, for example, knife attack, gu- uh, gun attack, uh, impact weapons, uh, single opponent, uh, multiple opponents, kidnapping, anti- uh, how to escape from bondage, um, hostage situations, uh, all, of, uh, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Wow. How so, long's the course? Uh, it's called Black Shield Elite Training, B-S-E-T. Uh, it's part of the Golden Ladder Company there in Shenzhen. It's on a curriculum there. Um, I was also teaching uh, for a company. They were uh, doing the Ivy League uh, education in the U.S. And uh, so I was doing training camps for these students that were going to study in the U.S. And it includes, for example, mass shootings, you know, which is happening almost weekly in the U.S., for example. You have these mass shootings at schools. Every week there's a mass shooting. So how would you react when you uh, when the gunman you know starts to attack your classroom, for example, or you? Mm-hmm. Or just uh, it's a it's actually a very good. Co- I, I spent a lot of time to design this course. Yeah, it sounds very uh, very interesting. Are you actually doing this course then? You're facilitating it through your club safari now. Is that where you do it? Uh, yeah, that would be the idea, although at the moment I haven't really uh, set it up this side. Okay. Um, I'm, because I was still busy constructing, and we're still constructing actually, and uh, expanding, and I'm, I, I've been setting up the website and uh, doing more like videos. Uh, I, want, I want to put it up on the uh, internet, Online, like, uh, yeah, a video sure. course, more, you know, and then uh, get the, uh, once, they, once they've done the video course, they can come here to do the practical, maybe even learn how to shoot shoot guns or whatever, you know, do the knife fighting, because, you know, 
even I can teach you how to take the gun away from someone, but then you don't even know how to use it. Yeah. What's the point of that? Indeed. Uh, and, and onto the uh, Club Safari. Thank you for that, uh, Francois. Onto the Club Safari then, which is what you're constructing now. Is that correct? Yes, uh, it is basically finished. We have a few rooms already and uh, we're just doing the final touches and um, so on. Yes, uh, it's, uh, You can trace us on, uh, uh, on our social media like Airbnb and Facebook and so on. So are you accepting guests at the moment? You're already taking guests on? Yeah, yeah, we are, we are, we are, we've been receiving uh, quite a few foreign guests already, local guests. Uh, it's, it's looking quite good. We also have a restaurant that is very popular because I think we are we have the best restaurant in uh, in this whole province. So oh, really? Quite that's quite a claim. Please <laughs> uh, repeat. I say that's a claim. You have the best uh, restaurant. No, I saw that. I saw a picture of the burger though. That was a massive burger. Yeah, I saw it on the. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have the biggest burger in the Philippines, I think. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then with that said, let's talk more about your location. So if, if you were to uh, advertise your uh, club safari to uh, people that wanted to come to the Philippines, how, how would you sell your, uh, what, what would you call it, a hostel or a hotel or a bed and breakfast? Uh, I, I call it a resto inn, a restaurant inn. Restaurant Inn. Okay, so how would you sell it to prospective customers? What what can they expect if they uh, come to Club Safari? Yeah, so basically it is very, uh, I, call, I call it green, uh, green, clean and serene, the environment. Um, we have the underground river, uh, it was, it's called Enchanted River nearby. We have cold springs, really ice cold water from deep under the earth. We have this uh, lovely little tropical islands um, scattered around the bay. We are, we are maybe, we're not right on the sea, we're not a beach resort, we're more in the, among the trees and coconuts and stuff, uh, in the little town, which is very charming, uh, right up opposite the university, so if you're male, there are the most beautiful girls in the world, I would say, are really in this tiny town, it's amazing. Um, the drinks, you know, the Filipinos love their rum and brandy and very good beer, they love music, uh, it's the price, um, the cost here are very low compared to China, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, especially. Uh, very, uh, very nice. And you can, you can. Uh, I'm offering my uh, as a private tutor. I'm offering my survival training course. Nearby, uh, my friends have a very good uh, martial arts club. They do the Okinawan martial arts. Um, very highly trained guys. You can study there for a black belt, for example, at a very reasonable cost, full time. Uh, you can do a lot of other stuff, diving and stuff. You know, it's uh, what, no, what, there's no limit. There's no limit. What martial artist? <laughs> what, what what martial art is available that you're mentioning? Is it kung fu, karate? Uh, karate, judo, um, jiu jitsu, and Philippine martial arts. Uh, Philippine martial arts, I would say, is highly underrated. It's probably your best martial arts. Uh, it's very practical. Including uh, stick work, knife work. Actually, what people don't understand is that Bruce Lee, Lee Shaolong, his um, his Jeet Kune Do, JKD, is basically a lot of that is Filipino martial art, uh, which is mixed, of course, with some Chinese martial arts. But a lot of it is actually based on Filipino martial arts. JKD, Bruce Lee's JKD. So, Francois, where, how do you actually get to your location um 
you know, because the Philippines, it's lots of islands. When I've been, I've had to take yeah. an aeroplane and a boat and an aeroplane and a boat and a horse and a, you know, all, all types <laughs> of stuff. Uh, yeah, so you tell us, you know, do you fly to Manila or do you fly to Cebu? What's the best the best take to get to your yeah, club uh, safari? Either, you could you could do uh, Manila or Cebu, and you could even do uh, Davao now. But I would say the, 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 the common entry point would be Manila, and because we have... Uh, the nearest city uh, to me is about two to three hours away. They have an airport. So you fly from Manila. Uh, I think there are about five daily flights from Manila to, it's called Butu One, Butu One. And um, uh, yeah, and then once you're in Butu One, it's, uh, we are kind of very accessible. Uh, uh, Butu One, I will, uh, I will type it out here so you can read it. Yes. Oh, there you go. Butuan, B-U-T-U-A-N. So, there you go. Okay. So, let's talk more. The Club Safari, then, is the guest house. And is the restaurant called Club Safari as well? Uh, yeah, the restaurant is Club Safari. Uh, Club Safari Resto Inn. Restaurant Inn, basically. Uh... Restaurant Inn sounds nice. Uh, it's a lot, it sounds a lot more upmarket than... Uh... Hostel. <laughs> well, yeah. But we are on Airbnb, Airbnb, and on uh, Facebook. You know, you can trace us very easily. Um, it's not. Uh, how's hard. how's business at the moment? Are you getting customers from all over the world? Actually, the restaurant business is always quite good uh, because our food is unique, and um, people drive come from far away to to taste it. You know, and uh, so that's always good. The rooms, uh, because of the martial law. We had a bit of a dip over the last couple of months, but I must say, last week we had three uh, from uh, Europe, Holland, and from Korea, so it seems to be picking up now again. Mm, okay. So, Francois, again, um, I'm getting old. My memory is like a sieve. Um, the name of the actual place that Club Safari is in? Uh, uh, well, you mean the town? Yeah, well, what, yeah, what's the town called? Uh, Tagbina. Okay. Okay, Tag, Tagbina, which is T-A-G-B-I-N-A. So, in terms of Tagbina, I mean, are there any tourist attractions there? What's the, what's the best thing to do in Tagbina, if you're a tourist? Is uh, yes, the, like I said, the uh, really uh, spectacular attractions are the underground river. It's called Enchanted River. Oh. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, wow. That's a big. Then we have cold springs. Uh, we have a water, big waterfalls. We have islands, tropical islands. Is uh, the the a group of islands called Britannia, Britannia Islands. Yeah, they are very um, very popular. Rule Britannia, the <laughs> islands yeah. are the way. Okay, sorry. It's like a, like a cluster, cluster of islands, little tropical, very picturesque, uh, in the bay, very gorgeous, yeah. So the, the beaches are beautiful, yeah, I bet. Beaches are gorgeous, yeah. especially when you're on these islands, you know, it's just blue, azure waters, and um, yeah, and the, and the seafood, seafood is amazing, you know, this tuna, the, the huge um, uh, shrimps, crayfish, all this stuff. Any, so, any yeah, diving and, in that area? Any scuba diving? Uh, uh, sorry, say that again. Is, is there any good scuba diving in your area? There must be a share, isn't there? 
Scuba diving. Scuba diving. Uh, yes, uh, if you bring your own gear, you can do that. Uh, although the, uh, the the town where you arrive, Butuan, they you can hire gear there. Okay, I see. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so from scuba diving to uh, sunbathing to eating nice food and big burgers. And and beer. Yes, and uh, you can you can rent a boat and then go out to the islands. You know, you can do fishing. Obviously, you can do. Uh, uh, go to the uh, waterfall and uh, cold springs, bathe in the cold waters, and so on. You know, yeah. So as you as you and, and also some nightlife, uh, some live music, beautiful girls, very friendly. You know, the Filipino <laughs> uh, people are Filipinos are very friendly people, very friendly. Yes, indeed. What, what about uh, you? You mentioning beautiful girls? That's uh, that's good for our uh, male listeners. What about if there are any girls listening? Any handsome boys there as well? What's that for? Oh yeah, the men here are very uh, strong and handsome, and they are very—they uh, are kind of old school. The, the area is very old school. It's like a throwback to the 1600s or whatever. You know, that kind oh. of etiquette. You know, the, the romancing. I would say not not the hard romance of modern times. It's like the gentleman thing, and you—you you know, the whole thing. You know, like so. The people are kind of very traditional in a way too. You know, very old Spanish style. You know. Yeah. Okay. That's. So, on the basis of what we talked about, any any nice, interesting secrets you want to make non-secret things going on in Tagbina, a special place to visit that no one knows about, or a secret of something of a proportion? Well, uh, I, th I think the biggest secret is that uh, Tagbina is. Uh, uh, I miss myself having been traveling for twenty-seven years now in Europe, in Africa, and Asia. That this town has the most amazing. Gorgeous girls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then uh, the people are so laid back, and then the area is very nice, and it's a it's a really nice area. Yeah, is your wife going to listen to this podcast once it's published, <laughs> uh, Francois? I'm not married. I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um, the Spanish influence. So it, it used to be a Spanish colony, did it? Oh yeah, uh, this big island, uh, Mindanao, uh, of course, it was colonized by the Spaniards. Actually, on the, not on this side of the island, on the opposite side of the island, they actually still speak a very uh, an archaic form of Spanish. Wow. It's called Shavacano. I, my, my Spanish friend came to visit me last year, and he could actually communicate Oh, wow, them. really? Okay, that's, that's interesting. So can, you, can you feel it in the island, you know, with the architecture and what have you? Does it have a very Spanish feel to it? In that area? Oh yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. The food, the the, the the drinks. I mean, the the most popular beer here is um, is San Miguel. And that's from the Philippines, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the most uh, popular brandy would be Emperador, and um, so you can go. Let's go. The Spanish culture is very deep here. The food, the paella, you know, every, they have everything here. The pork and so on, you know, gambas, the seafood, and all that stuff. Lovely, beautiful. Okay, Francois, that was great. We, we learned a lot about your place in the Philippines. Um, I want to go back now and uh, talk about uh, Chinification. So going back to your times in China, do you, do you, do you, yeah. ever, do you ever head back there uh, on business or anything, or are you now predominantly Philippines? Um, I, I'm getting a lot of requests. To go back to China, you know, quite regularly. Obviously, from my old um, students, for example, and other associates. Um, what I, uh, but it seems to be that there is a 
I don't know. I just get the feeling that it's kind of free, uh, a phase out, basically. You know, like it's, I have to, to apply for a visa. It seems to be a really big hassle. You know, I have yeah. to return to my own country and jump through a lot of hoops. And I don't know. It's just very uh, becoming very unattractive uh, to to continue my business there. You know, I'm thinking to just more or less uh, go online and uh, you know, and maybe invest. I'm very curious about other countries maybe that I've never been like Vietnam or something or Indonesia for example you know so when you were spending time in China on business and things like that what what was your biggest challenge that you faced um, at the time in China the biggest challenge was uh, basically the visas you know and uh, in the beginning the visa was quite uh, easy and then um, first uh, the first was my girlfriend she started you know you know, she was. She would be just, uh, you know, walking on the street, and then she would be accosted by the police. You know, the the, the really? they are. You know, the Chinese are uh, the Chinese police are very simplistic in their approach to um, to crime or whatever they consider to be crime. You know, they they look at your, your the color of your skin. If you are slightly darker, like mm-hmm. my girlfriend, she's a lovely chocolate uh, Filipina, and they don't. You know, anybody with a slightly darker you to attend to your skin. Uh, is considered to be persona non grata, basically, in China, or you're suspicious, or whatever, you know, and they they would just basically harass her, you know, and uh, they she, she got arrested for absolutely no reason, and, and deported for absolutely no reason, and uh, yeah. so in the end, uh, then, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a white man, but I'm from Africa, right, so, yeah, <laughs> so, in their eyes, that's also, you know, something wrong with me, you know, and then, uh, and in the end, it, I just, be, I know you can probably jump through the hoop some more, and, uh, and some of my friends, but a lot of my friends are moving out too, you know, they, they just got tired of, of it all, you know. I think there's a general paranoia happening in China. I don't know what it's all about. I don't know what's going on, you know. It's like, a, it's becoming a little bit like North Korea in a way, you know. <laughs> it's like a, it seems to be a paranoia, but I may be wrong. I, it's just my personal feeling. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's certainly a, it's a challenge there for sure. What uh, getting back to something more positive? What about uh, something good? You know, a benefit that you had from China. What's what's, what's a positive thing that's? Uh, well, for you? obviously, I started off in Taiwan, which is uh, the uh, you know the other side of China, and um, it's it's a different world in Taiwan, right? And in Hong Kong, even and mm. in Macau again, you know, it's it's three different worlds: Chinese world. They're all Chinese, but they're all very different. Yeah, indeed, and. Um, which was very interesting, and then I really loved Shaolin. I still love Shaolin. I, I, I still very uh, passionate about the, the martial arts, and I'm still very passionate about my friends I made there. And I think that is the you know Shaolin Temple is also the home of Zen Zen Buddhism. Very mm-hmm. few people realize that Zen Buddhism originated at Shaolin Temple, so it's a very uh, deep philosophy as well, you know. And uh, although it's not really manifested all over China. If you really dig in quite, a, you know, sometimes you have to go a long way, though, uh, then you will find there is uh, quite a bit of, um, a, you know, there is still, uh, you know, you, you do meet some Chinese that, are, that still have that culture, you know what I mean? I, not I, many, they yeah. are there. So it sounds like your, uh, your, the best bit of experience you had in the mainland was in Shaolin, Shaolin then? I would say so. Yeah, yeah I, that's your... I really enjoyed that. And uh, but then, and, you know, sad to say, then you know, the powers to be kind of realized, hey, this is a perfect milking um, milking cow for us. Yeah. Milk a lot, lot, 
sense, you know. So they changed the, it became Disney Disney Fi, you know. <laughs> talking of, talking of Zen, that makes me think of that book, The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Uh, I, I think I'd like to read that again. Have you read that book, Francois? The Art. No, because I not no 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 I haven't read that. Uh, but I, um, I my, like I said, I have my own master who was a Japanese, you know. So yeah. I got direct transmission. Sure. Zen transmission. Well, if you can't meet Francois's master, then that listeners, the art of motorbike, so motorcycle maintenance, a fantastic book, and it is literally a metaphor for Zen. Um, it gives a good, for, good um, understanding of uh, what Zen's about. So, um, just staying with the China theme at the moment, you must have had a funny moment that stands out in your time in China, um, Francois. Something funny that happened to you that made you chuckle, or maybe not at the time made you chuckle, but looking back, it did. Anything come into your mind over the years being in China that, that gave you a laugh? Well, you know, a lot of things actually. It depends if you, how do you want to, is it funny like in, in hilarious or funny like in, uh, you know, with a bit of uh, yellow humor or... <laughs> well, we're British, so it's got to be dark, yeah. <laughs> it's dark and satirical. Yeah, no, just go for it. You look at that side of it, you know, then there, obviously there's a... <laughs> That's almost a daily, uh, you know, daily. Um, almost every single day, you bump into very, uh, very weird situations in China. You know, like uh, let me try and uh, uh, cast my mind back a little bit into some real. Oh God, there are so many really weird stuff that happened to me. Um, oh my God. I'm actually writing a whole book about it, so it's going to be quite a thick one as well. Like, <laughs> right, you can you can at least recount one then if you're writing a whole book yeah, on it. Yeah, I, I just now actually now I just mentioned my girlfriend having all these problems. Remember, um, she uh, she actually got arrested and then she got kicked out of China and then she had to go back to the Philippines and she reapplied for a new passport and then we we kind of uh, you know we, we we jumped through a lot of hoops to get get her to get a new visa to come back into China, right? And I was living there in Shoko. I don't know if you know Shoko Shenzhen. Um, I was living in the uh, the old part, uh, the, you know, which was used to be controlled by the gangsters. Now it's very gentrified. With, you know, before there was nothing, just trees and gangs. But anyway, and, and prostitutes. But now, um, uh, at that time, uh, my girlfriend was living with me, and so I had a friend in the police station. And then, uh, you know, we got heavily pressurized because actually we, we, we were probably the only foreigners not to live in a guarded compound in Shenzhen. And um, we never registered. You know, the Chinese became very paranoid. You had to register your residence, oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then, um, but because she uh, she already been uh, uh, caught and kicked out of the country, we knew that and she got a, a, a new visa through kind of the back door. So obviously we didn't want to go directly to the police and said, "Hey, can we register?" <laughs> you know, so probably they're going to rearrest her and kick her out again. Man. So um, I called my friend in the police and explained the problem to him, and he said, "Okay, okay, I understand. No problem. You, uh, lunchtime, you go to the. Poli- he gave me an address, a small police station, and he said, "Okay, you go there. I will ask my friend to be there, uh, another police lady, and you, she will do the document documentation for you." You know. Oh, wow. So we went there. And we gave the passport, and then uh, she was, and then she went on the computer, and we could actually see my girlfriend's face popping up, you know, on the computer screen, uh, you know, because she was blacklisted, right? Wow. But this woman, of course, she she's been warned, you know, about it, so she didn't care, you know. But she kept on searching, searching on the computer for like ten minutes. We were sweating blood. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why doesn't she just stamp and give us a piece yeah. of paper and stamp it, and so we can go? And then she turned to us. 
and she she pushed the passport back over the counter, the desk, uh, the, the countertop, and she said, where is this place? Mm. And then on the visa, because the visa was issued in God knows where, in some really remote little town, somewhere in maybe China, uh, yeah. a remote area that she didn't know where it was. <laughs> and she had, she had to she had to find it on the on the computer, and she couldn't find it. <laughs> so oh, wow. she asked me, "Hey, where is where was this visa, visa issue?" And of course, I if she she's she's a Chinese, she you couldn't didn't know. recognize the name. How the hell was I supposed to recognize this name? You know, so oh no. So I just I, I looked at the visa like uh, with a big frown on my uh, my my forehead, and I said, uh, "Oh." Sichuan, and she goes like, and of course, she, you know, Chinese, they have the whole face, Mianzi culture, right? <laughs> but she, she couldn't really say, oh, uh, maybe, uh, are you sure? She's just like, oh, Sichuan, dang around, dang around, okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, all smiles, you know, and then boom, 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 stamp, 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 and we got the paper, and boom, out we went. <laughs> it's all yeah, sorted yeah. in the end, that was lucky. So if, if, if you knew uh, someone else that was coming to China, would do what, what one piece of advice would you give to them? Good question, Anthony. Well, you know, be adaptable. Be adaptable. That's the only, uh, you know, in one word. Adaptation. Very good, yeah. That's or die in three words. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be a common theme, actually, when we ask people that question. Be adaptable. Be flexible. Be yeah, be ready to accept anything. <laughs> well, well right, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, like if you, if you read the Black Swan, uh, Nassim Taleb, you know, he talks about fragile and anti-fragile. You better be really anti-fragile. <laughs> yes, yes, very, very good. Yeah, great stuff, Francois. Okay, let's, uh, I think we should talk about uh, a little bit about promotion and connection. Well, I mean, we've talked about the Club Safari and, you know, your urban survival course, Francois, but... Let's now go into kind of where people can find out more about it. I know you said Airbnb, but you said you had a website you were making? Well, the easiest would be just to go on Airbnb and look for Club Safari. That's it. Club with a K, not with a C. Club with a K. Club Safari. And look on Airbnb okay. or on Facebook. Club Safari, K-L-U-B, listeners. And then Safari, S-A-F-A-R-I, correct? Yes, that's it, yes. That's okay. It. okay. Airbnb would be the easiest, uh, or booking.com, or, um, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And, but you don't have a, you said you're working on a website at the moment. That's not up and running, now. Uh, it's up and running, uh, but it's a Wix. Uh, it seems to be blocked in China. I, I don't know <laughs> why, you know, but it's, uh, it's a Wix, uh, Wix, W-I-X, Wix site, you know. Um, probably you can find it if you search for it. I see. Well, I mean, Airbnb's, Airbnb's um, fan, fantastic. Do you use WeChat, Francois, in uh, Philippines? Is that something you're Yeah, on? yeah, it is. Uh, it's available here. WeChat, as uh, perhaps you don't know, is actually uh, part owned uh, South, by a South African company, uh, which is uh, Nash, uh, Nash Paris, a big. Uh, they made their fortune out of... Uh, they bought into Tencent uh, like oh. 15 years ago. Oh, I think they're yeah. now the biggest company uh, in uh, Africa because uh, wow. they're riding on the back of, of, of WeChat. Well, I didn't, I did, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's enlightening. Yeah. So, do you, do you, are you contactable by WeChat? Is that something where someone could get hold of you, or um, is it through Airbnb? Uh, Airbnb would probably be the best, or or Facebook. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, is what well, anything new that you're searching for? Any new opportunities? Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, all the time I'm pursuing new ideas here. I'm, I'm busy writing on my book, uh, and I'm making a YouTube. 
uh, if you want to look for my videos on YouTube, you just look, uh, search for my name, Francois Williams, okay. and you will find my whole channel. Oh, you've got a channel. Fantastic. So Francois Williams, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S, Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, listeners, and you can find some of your videos on, on the, you know, on the um, Urban Survival course, correct, Francois? Uh, yeah, including Urban Survival, including um, my views on China, including my views on the Philippines, including my club safari, everything. I've got different, uh, you know, segments on my channels, but you can... Uh, I'm uploading almost every day now, and so yeah. Yeah, oh, that that's great. I might be sure to look at that. Now, finally, as we close, um, just to get my geography in my head again, you are in a place called Tagbina, Tagbina, and that is near a city called Butuan. Yeah. Yes. And that is on an island which is called Mindanao. And how do you spell that? Uh, M I N D A. N-A-O, Mindanao. Mindanao. Yeah, Mindanao, which is the furthest, the southernmost island. Um, Mindanao, this is the island of the current president, uh, Mr. Duterte. He's, um, he's, uh, he's quite famous now, right around the world. Mr. Yeah, he's they call him Duterte in, Harry, he's a very tough dude. Getting in the news a lot, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. one time it would be nice, China Jedi, we could take a little tour out there, couldn't we, Anthony, if... Uh, budget allows and uh, and go and visit them in Mindanao and uh, come for one of those big burgers. Do you do a vegan burger, by the way, because Anthony, Anthony's a vegan? We, we do get uh, vegans here, but uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we feed them salad and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, they, they don't eat the, uh, the grass-fed cows then. Yeah, it's, the, it's not very good for vegans, but they can uh, get their salads and, well, and so on. Yeah, well, I tell you, that's good, because that's good enough, Francois, because we can leave Anthony here and not bring him with us. So, uh, listen, it's been, uh, it's been fantastic having you on. Thanks for uh, your energy and your time, Francois. Um, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Yeah, he sounds like you've uh, lived a fascinating life. Well, he hasn't finished yet. He's still got some years left, I hope, Anthony. Well, so so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Francois, uh, thank you very much. This is China Jedi, people. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved, either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.